0: Welcome to the On Iowa Podcast. I'm Leah Van. I'm your Hawkeye sports reporter. And today we are talking about a different kind of football. We're talking about women's soccer here at University of Iowa. I am joined by the head coach, David Diani. David, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thanks for having me. I appreciate it.
0: Yeah, I'm super side excited. Excited to be here. Yeah. People are uh, probably a little thrown off because... Feel like we just got done with soccer season and now it's back because the COVID year put soccer into the spring and now we're playing soccer again. So, how's that transition been for you going back to that fall season?
1: Yeah, it's been a unique 18 months, that's for sure, for everybody involved. But, um, you know, the spring was it was nice to even have a season. Obviously, uh, the Big Ten didn't play any, uh, you know, didn't play in the fall. Other than football, um, didn't have any non-conference games, so just to be able to have just to be able to have a conference season in the spring was exciting. You know, it's been unique because it was we we were successful. mate, went to the NCAA second round and lost right at the end of UCLA. So it was unique for our players to be able to have such a limited and small recovery period, um, and we're still dealing with that. Quite honestly, uh, usually we get a block of four or five weeks off and then we get back at it, and that block became a lot smaller. So we're having to uh, physically manage training loads, and um, we, have, we have a pretty upperclassmen-laden team that's played a lot of minutes. So we have to manage those loads as well, but it's very exciting to be able to, you know, have build off the momentum that occurred in the spring to start again in August.
0: Yeah, I imagine there are advantages and disadvantages to keeping that momentum alive. And I wanna to get to your team in a minute, but first I feel like, Not a lot of us really know who you are. Uh, We do know your Twitter, which is fun. Um, But yeah, I want to know, I'm interested how you got to where you are today in coaching. So if you could maybe give me a rundown of how you got to this position.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I'm originally (laughs) born and raised in uh, London, Ontario. And I've uh, been in the US. I think it's just now tipped the other way. I've been in the United States for uh, longer than I was in Canada. Um, I came across 1993 and I went, I uh, was on a soccer scholarship, at school, a small NEI school in Michigan, uh, started my coaching career there and uh, kind of started like at the grassroots, like everybody else started coaching in high school, started coaching in small colleges and uh, had many jobs, like many of the coaches that are at this level now. Um, we wore a lot of hats And then uh, I I morphed that into uh, I was the head coach at Grand Valley State in uh, Allendale, Michigan, Division II school. Was there for 11 years, uh, won three national championships there, uh, lost in the Final Four four times, and uh, spent a lot of time in the footprint of the Big Ten, uh, played Michigan, Ohio State, Michigan State, a lot of uh, Big Ten universities. So there was a little familiarity, familiarity I was familiar with, uh, we were familiar with each other and got a call in 2014. I've been here now going on my eighth year uh, and um, we're building our culture, three NCAA tournaments and kind of trying to make this a a sustainable, successful program.
0: Yeah. And from my understanding, I was reading a little about you and uh, you built like a soccer program at Hillsdale from the ground up what was that like can you take me through that challenging
1: (laughs) exciting but challenging um actually at the time I was uh I was the assistant for both and then the head coach but we both did it in collaboration and it was difficult because um you know you have a lot of firsts and to create you have you know a lot of firsts but then you get to start with a lot of firsts so you get to build it from the ground up and and uh you know it, it was pretty sustainable quite honestly um just until 2014, uh, we were, the women in particular were peaking, um, and then they actually cut the both programs. So they had both programs for seven years, and then it was the beginning of the, the stock market plunge, and Hillsdale mm. being pri- privately funded. Uh, they, they are the one institution in the country that don't take any private, any government funds it's uh, or any public funds. But it was exciting. I, it was Uh, You know, we saw a lot of graduating classes that come and go and see them um, help build the program. It was almost like you're construction workers. Every day you're working on something to build the sustainability of the program.
0: How has like that kind of experience um, translated over the years and especially even going into this job? I mean, you've kind of revived this Iowa soccer team to a national contending team.
1: Well, I was, uh, I would say that, that experience and then being a teacher, you know, I, I'm a, i am I was a high school teacher for seven years along with coaching. And I, I would say this, you know, you're, you're just teaching in a different form, right. In a different, you're still mentoring and role models and developing people and, um, and soccer players. And, and, uh, so I think that has helped. I think I wore a lot of hats back then. You know, I, I didn't have, a director of Ops. I didn't have a marketing person. I didn't have sports information, so I didn't have a fundraiser. So you wore a lot of hats, and you you be you had to be good at a lot of things and uh, multitask, and and so being able to uh, be able to to be even good at this that level, this level, you, yes, you get some of those responsibilities off your plate personally, but they're still in your circle of support and developing a culture and a program and. Um, you know we're, i'm very big in collaboration and service we serve you know serve each other and help one another and i think those are traits that have translated through um, from my beginning of my college days
0: yeah for sure and what did what were you teaching when you were coaching in high school
1: i was a i was a uh, social science teacher so i had all elective classes so i had Western Sib, um, American history, ironically, the Canadian teaching American <laughs> history. I had um, I had business law and I had economics.
0: Wow, that's check of all trades right there. Those are a variety <laughs> of subjects.
1: I'm not sure I was good, but they, I was elective, so they either took it for the subject or myself. So they I had pretty good, I had great, great students.
0: So the Olympics this year, Canada won the gold medal. Was that like... Are you a Canada First fan, or now that you've lived in the US for almost longer, are you still a US women's national team fan?
1: That's a great question, actually. Um I am a Canadian Canada First, but uh very, very close behind is is uh is my heart is pretty deep here. I've you know American wife, my children are by, by uh dual citizens. So it was sad to see uh the US do, you know. Uh, fallout in the second round or in the semifinals, um, but happy for Canada. They grinded it out. Certainly we're not the the most talented team in the, in the tournament, U.S. US and Sweden definitely were, but there's, you know, you've covered sports as well for a long time and played it. it there's a lot that goes into winning and uh, some of it's team chemistry, some of its roles that are, you know, and some of it's just sure about, you know, luck, you know, and some things that have to go your way. So very happy for Canada. It took 20, 21 years to beat the US, something high, I think like that, 23 years. So <laughs> one out of 23 is not too, is not, is not too shabby if it ends in a gold medal.
0: Yeah. Well, and a lot of those women still play in like the NWSL over here, especially like a, a very growing league right now too. What is, um? how does like that, Um? how is watching that, that growth like been for you as a coach, you know, with players that could see that in their future someday.
1: Yeah, it's exciting. Uh, I think first off, the NWSL is doing a great job uh, putting women in lead roles, empowering, um, you know, general managers, some really uh, intelligent, sophisticated uh, ex-players that were had great careers in NWSL. Now they're leading programs, um, whether it be in general managers or uh, as a head coaching role. And I think that's very exciting. Um, and you know i think you want to you want to have uh, something for our player our student athletes female student athletes to aspire to um, i think it's very difficult to make a living uh, if you're not in the top 15 20% in the nwsl you might have to have multiple jobs that, that and that's unfortunate and we need to change that there's you know 20% of the of the of the players are making 80% of the money and that has to get changed and um, you know, we're discussing that, and there's the you know the you know the uh, women's national team needs to be paid equal to the men. There's these are all these are all topics that are coming out, but we don't want to be losing all of our best you know female soccer players to Europe. You know mm-hmm. where they are paying they are paying um, uh, a, a substantial you know salary. We have one of our own, Chloe Lacoste, who graduated in 2014. For me, uh, she's playing in Benfica, Portugal one of the biggest clubs in the world on the men's side and the women's side is growing sponsored by new balance, but she has to go there. She, she was supposed to come here to play for Chicago and she, they can't pay her enough. And um, you know, she's single and this is her retirement and that's the reality, right? They should not have to take three or four jobs, but it is exciting that it's growing. The clubs are, there are more clubs. There's going to be another one in San Diego coming another one in LA um, this this market, if you give them an opportunity, give them a forum, people are watching.
0: Yeah, for sure. If you build it, they will come, right? <laughs> exactly
1: right. Exactly right.
0: <laughs> to put it in Iowa terms. Um, yeah, I want to start, I want to shift focus to your team now. Um, we were talking about this quick turnaround with preparation. Um, you know, what are some of the challenges that you face faced in this offseason? And also, what are some of the advantages in turning around from a season like Iowa soccer?
1: Yeah, I, I would say the advantage is, is building off the momentum we had in spring, um, both as as players who had successful seasons, but also as a team. I think winning is contagious. Winning, you know, winning success, no success success breeds success. So um, I think that's being able to snowball off that and um, build a build a little bit more momentum heading into the into the fall. Um, we uh, have a, a very difficult schedule. So, you know, that's important that we, we, it's important we did that. I think our program is now in a place where we have to challenge ourselves. Um, It doesn't mean winning all the time, but challenge ourselves for the best in the country. And um, you saw that a little bit in the second round, we went within five minutes of being UCLA number three in the country. So I think those are the, those are some of the positives, some of the negative, you know, it's been a long, it was, it's been a long 18 months. And I think for all the student athletes will tell you, you know the mass, the there's a season, there's not a season, the the pauses, all those things that accumulated into the Zoom classes, um, not not being able to be social at all, um, it, 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 they add up, right? They add up to to mentally being tired, and there I think every student athlete will tell you the quick turnaround has some success, you know, some really positive parts to it, but it's also a grind. You know, if you really want to be successful. So, um, you know, we have a good staff. We manage our, you know, our student athletes well. We have great communication to be able to discuss what they need. Um, but in the end of the day, uh, we return a lot of student athletes. We have a great freshman class. I think in the end of the day, it will all be positive. We're, we're, we, we believe in the process. We're, um, you know, I think most of the Iowa programs believe in just investing every day, getting better every day in the end of the day, you know, when, if you, if you deserve it, you know, success will come. And, um, and, you know, we're, we're going to kind of buy into that process and take these little small adversities as challenges.
0: You've had a couple of scrimmages so far. What have you seen out of this team? I know that they were very young this past year and they're still very young. Um, So yeah. What have you seen so far?
1: Well, we got better. Uh, We weren't, we, we, uh, you know, in our sport, sometimes results don't match up how you perform. Um, you know, we're successful against South Dakota. Uh, we won three zero. We were the better team on the field, but we didn't play very well. Again, it was very early in the preseason. That's okay to me. I didn't, I wasn't concerned about that. You know, we were only four or five days in for me, it's about how do we get better and where do we go from there? And, and, uh, we need to see growth. So we got better. Um, Weirdly, we, we only beat Northern Iowa 1-0, but we, we outclass them. We play much better. We, we get eight corners. We have 18 shots. We only give up one shot. So, uh, you know, so I think that's very important. We, we were relatively injury-free. We played everybody. So everyone was able to get experience, uh, give us an opportunity to get everybody on tape and uh, to have an evaluation. Um, we, we are much more dynamic uh, offensively this year than we were last spring. Uh, Alyssa Walker, a grad transfer from Richmond, will be will, will be very impactful for us. Um, Courtney Powell from Iowa State, just down the road, uh, a Cyclone grad transfer, and Kenzie Rowling, uh, a freshman who is a high school All-American from Waverly-Shell uh, Rock. Those three, will, in addition to what we have already have, will give us a little bit of a different look than what we had in the spring.
0: Yeah, I'm curious about those uh, those two transfers. That um, what brought them here to Iowa, and you know what went into the decision to bring them to this team.
1: Well, they're they're different, to be honest. Alyssa Walker, I think, um, wants to challenge herself, wants to grow a little at a little bit faster rate before she she makes an attempt at being a pro. Uh, she, you know, she had a great career at Richmond, but. In the end of the day, challenging yourself in the Big Ten and the BCS level and being coached and playing with those players was very important to her. And Courtney Powell is using COVID, her COVID year for for uh, an opportunity. She's really a Hawkeye at heart, but she went to Iowa State for ag agriculture. And um, but her her father unfortunately passed away from COVID uh, oh, wow. uh, last last February. So this is kind of a I'm doing it for dad. Uh, you know, one more kick at the can, and you know, a chance to wear the 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 tiger hawk and the black and gold. So there's a lot of it's a little bit of an emotional journey, but also ending in a, into a place where she maybe started as well. So um, both are going to be very impactful for us. We're very excited to have both of them, um, and they're both here for two different reasons.
0: Yeah, well, that's, that's so unfortunate to hear about Courtney's father. And, um, you know, this virus, I feel like, has touched everybody. I personally have, I know somebody who passed away. I have friends who have had family members who have passed away. And then, of course, you look at, like, the social impacts, and which your team was able to really overcome uh, this past season, like being so young and then developing a team identity when they were all very isolated from each other.
1: Yeah, that was challenging. Uh, there's no no doubt um, our chemistry was was good because I think our culture is strong and we have good people in our program. And but it we did not get the normal preseason. We did not get we we weren't able to congregate or even have functions that you know that necessitate you know breaking down barriers and you know uh, building a bit of chemistry and and being vulnerable. You know, with one another, you know, you're wearing a mask, you're six feet apart, you're, you know, we weren't able to eat meals together, um, unless we were in a giant ballroom. So there's no, there's nothing personal about any of that. And um, early in the summer, like everybody else, when you did do that, that, you know, good things didn't come from it. So um, we're excited to be able to have a little bit more of a a normalcy uh, when it comes to building a program and and a culture and and, uh, team chemistry.
0: Yeah, and I'm wondering how much of your team is vaccinated at this point in time.
1: We we are at uh, 88% currently give or take uh, 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 a digit um 80, 86 88%. So our numbers uh, our numbers pretty good. Um, mm-hmm. obviously, you know, in a perfect world you would be at 100%, maybe we'll move into that direction here in the in the near future, but um, I'm happy with where we're at right now.
0: That's certainly higher than a lot of other teams out there and it is, um, it's, you know, it does put your team at less of a risk when you are, when you do have a majority of them vaccinated. Um, I am, I'm, was looking through some of the preview stuff and saw that Haley Rydberg, Sarah Wheaton, and Samantha Carey uh, were named to the 2021 big 10 players to watch list. I'm wondering if you can expand on who they are and what they bring to this team.
1: Yeah, but, uh, all three very experienced soccer players, uh, good soccer players, good people, represent the Hawkeyes uh, on and off the field. Um, you know, with honor and and uh, respect. Uh, Sarah Wheaton is a uh, is from Arizona. Uh, this will be her technically her senior year. She will take a COVID year next year, so she will she will play five years. She's a central defender for us, and and really. All three of them, but Sarah has grown um, immensely from her freshman year, both maturity, uh, leadership, but, you know, as a player. And um, she actually will be announced in this afternoon that she and Haley Ryberg will be co-captains for for this coming season. Uh, Haley Ryberg is the atypical, um, you know, uh, female student athlete who. You you want as your daughter. You know she is such a uh, an inspiration on and off the field. She's a beacon of positivity. She invests every day to the best of her ability. Uh, we talk a lot about you might not be hundred percent today, but we need hundred percent of what you have for today. And she's somebody who um, does that every day to to the motto and uh, has played a lot. She's been a starter. She was an All American coming out of high school, St. Charles, Illinois. And she will also take her COVID year. And um, Sam Carey is somebody who is incredibly competitive. Might it be the most competitive individual in our, in our program? Uh, she's somebody you have to protect in some ways because you, she drives the bus for you in a lot of ways. Um, you know, sometimes female student athletes don't want somebody to compete at that level. And you have to protect them because that those are the ones who who make a difference in your program and who doesn't want a strong opinionated competitive female, uh, you know, in your program, but let let alone as a, as a human being that you can, you can feed off of. Right. And they bring the energy. Sam is a left defender who actually had a great summer with Chicago red stars reserve team. Oh, Uh, Yeah. So she'll be a pro um, as well. And um, yeah, I'm just, you know, three, the triumvirate, we call them the three, the three are very, uh, I'm very proud to be their coach, but they're, they're, they're they're great human beings before they're even great players.
0: Some younger players that I remember standing out to me when I was kind of following your team in the spring were Micah Engels and Macy Enneking, who kind of took over that goalie position halfway through and really made a huge impact for your team. How have they grown this off season and what are you expecting out of their um, of them this season?
1: Yeah, you know, you, you never know how a freshman is able to bounce back from or be able to grow from a, a successful freshman year. You know, it doesn't, you know, one semester doesn't make a career is kind of what I, we say, right? So they, well, you know, for us, we're, we've are we seen them grow in terms of learning how to create, you know, make this their success sustainable. And a lot of that you know, quite honestly, is off the field. It's the attention to details. It's nutrition, ice bath, sleep, making sure that they can, you know, their body's going to continue to start breaking down at the more minutes that they play. Um, they're going to have more video on, you know, that people can watch. So they have to develop, develop their game. They have to, you know, continue to grow, put more tools in the toolbox. And um, so they've both been great. I, I think having the players that we have in Micah's position, has now forced her to have to raise her bar a little bit as well. Alyssa, Courtney, Kenzie, players that are now, now Mike is now having to grow and, and um, cause it's, you know, freshman sensation really quickly, you know, you want to fight complacency. We talk a lot about complacency where, is where growth goes to die. Right? Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and Macy as well, Monica Wilhelm is a very good goalkeeper. And um, so Macy's had to, it's easy to come from the back and catch somebody sleeping, or, you know, you know, be able to lead from sec- the second spot in the depth chart. But now Macy's on the front end. Can she hold Monica off? And so they've grown as people. They're good human beings. Um, and they're only going to get better with the competition that's in our program.
0: So it sounds like you're still, you know, despite all the success you had at the latter part of the season, obviously you probably want to get off to a quicker start than last year and not have to rally <laughs> and really, you know. That'd be nice fight through all those, uh, games, uh, to win the big 10 tournament. Um, so it sounds like a lot of the positions are up for grabs, despite the fact that you managed to make it through this to the NCAA tournament with people like Micah and people like Macy and the starting positions.
1: Yeah. I I think for the nature for us is, um, yeah, we, we didn't have much of an identity in the first seven games and consequently we're one in six. So, um, we are farther along in that regard. Uh, you know, I think we have in the forward position, we have six forwards that we believe can play at any given time or, and are going to play roles and play a lot of minutes. So I think we're much deeper. And so in any given day, uh, we feel comfortable playing, um, playing uh, players and a lot of it might have to do with who we're playing, where we're playing and the health of those players. So but we, we, we do feel very good about Macy. We feel very good about Micah. Um, Riley Fetty is a freshman that played every minute of every game that that will play a lot as well and has will have a great career. Addie Bundy is a player that we brought in who, uh, who, who was initially signed with uh, Colorado Boulder. So we, along with all the players that were very successful in the spring. So um, those players will play big roles, but I think that we are deeper. So consequently, I think there's more players to talk about as well. Certainly.
0: And um, how important is it to have those non-conference games back? I know that, that, you know, that's kind of what you're going through right now is having these scrimmages, having this, how important is that?
1: Well, it gives you a trial and error and it allows you, you know, a bit of time to be able to go through the process as to what works for you and um, the roles that players play. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a pro con because you, you play a challenging non-conference, you still need to win games and the RPI matters. And, but on the same token, you don't play a challenging art, you know, non-conference, then you better win a lot of games in the big 10 in a normal year. So, you know, we have Mississippi state, we have Kansas, we have SLU all top 25 teams, Iowa state's a very good team, you know, and then you can't, you can't take away from the, you know, the, the uh, Cyhawk series. So um, we have a very challenging non-conference to be able to get what's right for us before we get into the big 10 and try to make a run in arguably the deepest big Ten conference since I've been here, and this is my eighth year.
0: I did notice that the big Ten preseason rankings came out recently. I think I was at number seven. Um, what are some of the you know where how do you feel about that number seven ranking? I know it's preseason, and then what are some of the most challenging teams on this conference schedule?
1: Well, last year we were fifth and we we, we were we were thirteenth until the end and made the run so. You know, I think that, um, you know, for us right now, I think that's appropriate. You know, it's – it's. I don't really – you know, I looked at it and it's great, but I'm not one – I'm on Twitter, but I don't spend much time on rankings and pay attention to those kind of things. And I think you can kind of get lost in that, you know. Um, But I think that's probably appropriate. But, in you know, once you – for us right now, I think preseason-wise, the top four teams are the top four teams. I think you have a a big block in the middle of six – six, seven teams where um, it's all going to be about health and do the best players perform. Um, And because I, I, you know, at this point anybody can beat anybody in the big 10 in our sport. Uh, I think our sport is probably similar to men's basketball and football where it's, there's a lot of parody. Um, And that, that parody means that every game you know, can shift whether you finish first or finish 13th. So uh, I like it. I think it gives our kids an opportunity to, control their fate but on the same token we don't we haven't addressed it even with our teams yet
0: yeah for sure um so i do want to i want to like kind of end this on a fun note um yep. i really enjoy your twitter and i the one thing i noticed is that you care a lot about taking good care of your lawn and like flexing on your like is there like a neighborhood competition going on or what is what is this pride in your lot
1: (laughs) well i enjoy your your twitter as well so it's reciprocal so that's good um um hopefully you don't play more than four beach volleyball games at one night but no but um that's a lot but um (laughs) got to keep you healthy but yeah it um yeah you know it's funny is we talk a lot laughing and i'm i'm you know i'm all there's like, you know, 30%, 40% serious, and most of it's joking, but there's no peer pressure that's worse peer pressure as an adult, that you are somebody's mower start in your neighborhood. And then you got a, a quick little, like, look at your back and like, okay, Mark's cutting his grass. Let me look at mine. And, cause especially if it's your neighbors, immediately looks, makes your lawn look bad because yeah. his is cut short and yours are long. So we have, we have this unspoken competition amongst you know and and uh but it's all fun we're all we're all close but uh I was I was gone for 10 days recruiting and that was that tweet was just a little fun play with my daughter do- on my daughters and my and my wife like made me made me look I went from the like, top of the table to the bottom like in in 10 days
0: yeah but like the Iowa soccer team you just make that comeback you just gotta, you just gotta <laughs> exactly come back out with it's, your mower and be like I'm straight gonna back to that the
1: that. table yeah exactly
0: <laughs> I remember growing up in my neighborhood we had one neighbor who was obsessed with their lawn it was like perfect too it looked like a freaking golf course and they would put rocks like kind of along because you didn't have like a fence in front of it put like rocks along the street to pro- show people like do not even get like an inch of tire on the that's side. awesome <laughs> it was- yeah I'm not that I'm not that yeah. i don't I'm not that
1: so i'm I'm like in the middle I'm in the middle i but uh, yeah, it's mostly playful. We'd always joke about. There's no press, no peer pressure worse for an adult than uh, hearing a lawnmower go on, and especially if you're your neighbors, you um, know, immediately makes your lawn look terrible.
0: Yeah, for sure. Well, I'm excited to see what happens with this team this season. I appreciate you coming on to the podcast, and hopefully, we can get you on mid-season and do a little check-in.
1: Yeah, thanks, Leah. I appreciate that. You're doing awesome. great. Thanks so much.
0: Thank you, and y'all can check out, we will have some stories on the Iowa soccer team at thegazette.com, and you can follow along on the Hawkeye Soccer Twitter. David Diani is on Twitter. It's really fun. It's D-I-I-A-N-N-I. I have misspelled your last name multiple times. Um,
1: <laughs> as, does, as does everybody.
0: Yeah, and yeah, so thank y'all for listening, and have a good one.